What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to the Tuesday, January 25th, 2022 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Today on the show, we are looking at the top five missteps of the Miami Dolphins in the 2021 offseason and regular season. A look back on things you probably wish this team could have had a chance to get a mulligan on. We're taking a look at it here today on Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. Your host here on Locked On Dolphins. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. So today on the show, we're going to be looking back at the season that was, and not necessarily from a wins and losses perspective, but from a a team building perspective. And it's a little difficult, thanks to the way Miami has structured their their front office, to uh, be able to distribute blame appropriately for these missteps and and, uh, make the necessary uh, accusations of blame for the five biggest mistakes, in my opinion, in the Miami Dolphins construction of their roster and their coaching staff uh, for the 2021 season. The five, effectively the five biggest mulligans you wish the Dolphins could have to do things differently and bring about uh, some different results potentially for the 2021 season with the benefit of hindsight. And of course, hindsight is always 2020. And some of these moves uh, you would have anticipated at the time were good maneuvers. And some of these moves at the time we probably saw coming were going to be moves that maybe Miami wishes it would have done something a little differently on. So, Let's dive right in, shall we? And let's start with the number five biggest misstep in my mind for the Miami Dolphins in 2021. Number five, drafting tight end Hunter Long at number 81 overall instead of a running back. I know the popular ones to point to were Najee Harris in the first round and Javante Williams in the early second round. But I don't want to throw back Jalen Phillips, and I don't want to throw back Javon Holland. I want to keep those guys. Uh, So I look at who went after 81st overall in the running back group and ask myself, which one of those guys would have made sense for Miami? I came up with two names, uh, stylistically very different players, uh, one of which I thought would have made a ton of sense for Miami. I had earmarked as an early day three guy. He went at 120 overall, and he went to the New England Patriots. Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma, senior bowl kid. Showed himself really well at the senior bowl. Showed himself on tape really well this past year at Oklahoma. And sure enough, Ramondre Stevenson, amidst an offensive backfield that still has Damian Harris in it, rushed 133 times for 606 yards, 4.6 yards per carry, and five touchdowns, caught another 14 passes for 123 yards. This guy had 729 yards from scrimmage and five touchdowns as a rookie for the New England Patriots. That's the 120th overall pick. It's a 230-pound back who can catch the ball out of the backfield. 
certainly sounds like the kind of guy you'd like to have amidst the rest of the guys in, in this offensive backfield for the Dolphins, especially when you add the dynamic of Jared Dokes, the running back you did draft in the seventh round, couldn't sniff the field all year long. Ramondre Stevenson had two 100-yard games this past season. Jacksonville, January 9th, you, two touchdowns in that game. You don't want to count that. It's Jacksonville. Never mind the fact that the Dolphins lost to Jacksonville. That's fine. They put up He put up 20 for 100 yards and two touchdowns against the Cleveland Browns on November 14th. And that stings because that was a guy I had earmarked as somebody I thought would be a home run early day three selection uh, for the Miami Dolphins. But even if you don't want to go down that path and, you know, you say, well, you know, too much of a bruiser, you know, didn't really fall in line with the kind of back that the Dolphins were interested in going out and pursuing. That's fine. You could point to Michael Carter who went to the New York Jets. So, of course, both these other guys went in the division. Also went in the fourth round, 107th overall. Uh, very easily would have been there uh, at 81. And Michael Carter posted 147 rushes for 639 yards and four touchdowns on the ground, 4.3 yards per carry. And in the passing game, he had 36 carries, or 36 receptions for 300 and 25 yards. So in total, 183 touches for 964 yards from scrimmage and four touchdowns. He missed three games and only started 11 on the season. So we know how this regime, whether it was Chris Greer, Brian Flores, and I'm more inclined to think that this was collaborative with Brian Flores. And if a different decision maker wants to prioritize the running back position, I am inclined to think the Dolphins uh, under Chris Greer will have a little bit higher priority than zero zip Zada Zilch, which is what they've had for the last three years. Um, I'm inclined to think we'll show a little bit more palette for prioritizing that position, but it is it's really hard to say uh, because this team has been collaborative and Chris Greer has been the GM and has had final say, uh, but he has avoided making decisions that his head coach doesn't want. So he's had final say, but he's also been deferring final say to uh, give his head coach the roster that his head coach wants. Makes for very messy um, distribution of blame. But I think there's one thing we all know is that not doing anything with that group probably would have been a better idea or Doing anything with that group would have been a better idea than what they chose to do, which is not do anything at all. The fourth biggest misstep that the Dolphins made this past offseason, or this past 2021, uh, was paying Will Fuller the contract that they paid him uh, over $10 million to effectively give you nothing all season long. Now, the solace that does exist, uh, if you are a Dolphins fan, is the entirety of the wide receiver class this year has been a total flop. Between guys like Kenny Galladay, who got $18 million per season, 
and Will Fuller and uh, Corey Davis, the top of this year's wide receiver free agent crop has been about as big of a flop as you can remember or find in recent memory. Juju Smith-Schuster included in that group. So just about any direction you were going to make, it wasn't going to pan out. What you could have obviously done with the benefit of hindsight would have been to take that money and spend it on Corey Lindsley at the center position or something else. Uh, a couple of different ways that you could have redistributed that money elsewhere on the roster, and it would have been a better investment than what you ended up spending that money in. So here's the breakdown. The top seven names in free agency in 2021 at the wide receiver position as far as annual average pay were Kenny Galladay, Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, Nelson Aguilar, Will Fuller, T.Y. Hilton, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Those seven names combined for over $118 million in guaranteed money at the point of signing. And through 16 weeks, as of January 8th, they combined for 150 receptions for 1,900 yards and 10 touchdowns. And over that same stretch of time, Cooper Cup, the wide receiver from the Rams who were playing in the NFC Championship game, over that same stretch of time, Cooper Cup by himself accounted for 138 receptions for 1,829 yards and 15 touchdowns. So Cooper Cup had 12 less receptions, 80 less yards, and five more touchdowns than the top seven names in free agency through the first 16 weeks of the season this year. They all flopped. They all failed miserably. So if you were going to spend that money, that $10 million plus per, spend it elsewhere on the team, preferably on a starting offensive lineman. Or, as we're going to get to in just a little bit down the road, you could have spent it on two starting offensive linemen and got combined better results than what you ended up getting from Will Fuller. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as they continue their march through the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online is the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. A new year with a new updated desktop and mobile website gives you the chance to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code locked on to get started. From football, basketball, hoxie, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. And it is where the game starts. The third, in my approximation, the third biggest misstep for the Miami Dolphins in 2022 across coaching, talent, free agency, the draft, so on and so forth, was relying on Jacoby Brissett 
to serve as your backup quarterback. And it goes beyond the fact that Jacoby, the one-year $5 million deal, whatever it ended up being, uh, allocated five starts for you and was two and three as a starter. Uh, and one of those wins uh, was put away thanks to Tua Tungvalo in the second half of the Baltimore game. Because uh, Jacoby was under 50% completion in that game. Of course, turnabout is fair play. Uh, he also had the loss against Buffalo in week two, which was about as woeful of a performance as you could have possibly drawn up. 24 of 40, 169 yards, uh, 4.23 yards per attempt, an adjusted yards per attempt of 3.1 after you factored in uh, the four sacks that he took for 24 yards in that football game rushed four times for eight yards. And this is why it was bad. This is why it was bad. If you look at the skill set that Tua Tungvaloa has as your starting quarterback in 2021, and I'm not talking about projecting him forward, and I feel like I got to put that disclaimer in every single time I talk about Tua because he's such a polarizing figure within this team right now amongst the fan base. I'm not talking about next year and long term. I'm talking about last year, 2021, 9-8, to his second year. If you look at his skill set, you looked at his strengths and weaknesses as a player, and you compare and contrast them to what Jacoby Brissett was able to put together and what Jacoby Brissett's strengths and weaknesses were as a football player. They were about as polar opposites as you could have possibly drawn up. Jacoby Brissett, big prototypical passer within the pocket. And I, I liked the Jacoby Brissett signing at the time because it was like, good, somebody with experience to serve as your backup quarterback as you transition away from Ryan Fitzpatrick. What I grossly underestimated and what it seems the team grossly underestimated was Jacoby Brissett's physical skill set and strengths and weaknesses as a quarterback could not be any further apart from what Tua Tagovailoa's strengths and weaknesses were and how they tried to construct their offense to work with Tua's strengths. RPO-style passer, move the pocket. None of that works with Jacoby Brissett. He's too long. He's not a good enough athlete takes him this real long wind-up and delivery to get the ball out versus Tua does have a quick release. Asking Jacoby to work the mesh point or work at after the snap to carry out a zone read or a play fake or an RPO and make a read on a defender in real time, none of that works for him. None of that. Jacoby is a heavy run game. Deep set play action pass, push the ball down the field type of passer. That's where he wins. And I can't help but sit here and look and say, well, the Buffalo Bills signed Mitchell Trubisky to be their backup quarterback this past offseason. And he signed a one-year deal just like Jacoby Brissett did. And he cost half as much as Jacoby Brissett. $500,000 signing bonus, $2 million guaranteed, one-year, $2.5 million contract to be the backup quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. 
That's half the money Jacoby got. And he's a better stylistic compliment to how the Dolphins' offense worked with Tua. Complimentary styles would have made a lot more sense. And Mitch was a top five pick. He's got experience as a starting quarterback in the NFL. He would have made a lot more sense with hindsight to serve as your backup quarterback because he is an athlete. You can move the pocket with him. That's actually what the Bill, the Bears did well with Mitchell Trubisky, with Matt Nagy there as the head coach, was they moved the pocket, rolled him out. Oops. Oops is right. And we all saw the end result of Jacoby Brissett and what he was able to provide. Uh, two and three as a starter, technically two and four if you count the Bills game, technically one and four if you count him coming out early in the second half against Baltimore. And we'll give him credit for that game. I guess it all evens out in the end. Which brings us to number two, the second biggest whoops Mulligan wish we could have back. For the Miami Dolphins in 2021 was the offensive coaching staff. And more specifically, the mess that was allocated for your offensive coordinators, plural, and Coach Lem as your offensive line coach. And I get, perhaps there were some politics behind the scenes that made finding a qualified candidate who wanted to come be in Miami and work with Coach Flores with Tua Tagovailoa when it was pretty clear, at least it is now, Ryan Flores didn't really jive with Tua, didn't really like the quarterback he had because he kept pulling him out of games with Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and instilled that doubt. And... um Obviously, the rumor mill that carried all throughout last offseason through the trade deadline this year in October, November. Um, it was pretty clear that Brian Flores didn't really jive with his quarterback. And I get that dynamic probably had a lot to do with why Miami couldn't get as much traction to hire a legit OC to come in here and take this job. I get that. But there are guys that are out on their ass on the street who I think would have made more stylistic sense to bring in and embrace to serve as your offensive coordinator. Brian Schottenheimer is one of those names. Was the OC for Russ Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Very run-heavy embrace and approach. And say what you will, the guy has taken middling results with offensive linemen and gotten a good running game out of that group. Brian Schottenheimer was going to be high up on my personal list of offensive coordinator candidates if they were going to retain Brian Flores. And of course, they pulled the rug out from that because they fired Brian Flores. And I get why they fired Brian Flores. Uh, but Brian Schottenheimer had success with Russell Wilson, a handful of good wide receivers, and a bunch of physical backs in the running game and big-bodied offensive line. For Miami get to get to that point, to give Tua the same environment and skill set 
of players and complimentary players that Brian Schottenheimer had to give to Russell Wilson. You needed a couple physical backs, and that was about it. You got big physical guys up front, guys that aren't necessarily the most technically refined. And I get Tom Cable as an offensive line coach uh, was somebody who you weren't going to be able to tap in unless you were able to lure him away to come to Miami. But there was enough there and enough parallels there where Brian Schottenheimer, and he didn't coach as an OC last year. He was like the passing game coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars who, by the way, were a bigger shit show than the Dolphins were because their coach got fired not even a full season into his first year on the gig. I'd like to think if you offered that guy a better job, he'd have taken it. I don't know for sure, and I don't know Brian Schottenheimer, but I know he went from Seattle down to the state of Florida. And I feel like that probably would have been a better gig, especially if it would have brought a better offensive line coach into the fray because of relationships that maybe Schottenheimer had that you as Brian Flores didn't because your rookie offensive line coach and the entire mess that you had for your offensive coaching staff was for my money, the second biggest mulligan that you could point to this off season and say, I wish we had that back. You know what you won't wish you had back. You know what you don't have to wish you had back is the money that you get back from using Get Upside to help save you some coin when you're driving your car. Listeners are making as much as 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up at the tank. You can download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. Don't pay full price to the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are saving as much as two to $300 a month and cash back, and there's no catch. The cash gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime using your bank account, PayPal, e-gift cards such as Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. Which brings us to our number one whoops, mulligan, mistake, error, misjudgment that you wish the Dolphins could have had back. In the 2021 season. And for as bad and as frustrating and as poor as what the 2021 offensive coordinator situation was for the Miami Dolphins, what is the one thing that was more frustrating and more limiting? And bad offensive coaching, thanks to the coordinator situation that the Dolphins had in place. I'll wait. And if you said it was the offensive line, you'd be correct. So we know a lot about Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg and Jesse Davis and the flawed play that they put on display, right? And we also talked about the signing of Will Fuller and the $10 million investment that was made into that player. And people are going to listen to this podcast and they're going to call this a bodying of Chris Greer. And I would like to be abundantly clear. 
I still have belief in Chris Greer as a general manager to build a winning team here in Miami, provided there are acknowledgments of the blind spots that exist on the roster and the team changes gears accordingly. A general manager who makes actions tailored to and suited to providing his head coach, regardless of who that head coach is, with everything he could possibly want to build the team in his, his vision, is doing his job properly. And Chris Greer has managed the salary cap well. He has allocated future draft capital and draft assets while building a young nucleus of players that is more than half of your starting 22 on offense and defense. That I am excited to have be a part of this team. And I know it is a real popular thing to dump on Chris Greer. And obviously his persistence through these changes is a potential dynamic that could be toxic for Miami that we may end up looking back on and say, yeah, we should have moved. We should have got a new GM in tandem. Maybe it is, but maybe it's not. But I look at the raw performance of Chris Greer. The 2021st round hurt a lot. But you still got from that draft plus starters in Robert Hunt, Raekwon Davis, and Brandon Jones. This year's past year's draft class, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, Javon Holland. Book is still out on Liam Eikenberg. But you got three plus starters from each of those past two draft classes. And I understand everybody's going to say, well, you didn't knock out the most important position. And I understand that. And I also don't know the entire story about the decision-making process behind that. And it felt like we panicked in the first round in 2020, and that was bad. But the most recent performance in the first round was as good as you could have possibly humanly hoped for. Those three players plus an extra first-round pick. I can't speak that clearly enough. I still believe Chris Greer can be a winning general manager for the Miami Dolphins. And he doesn't go about his job with an ego, which is rare. But this mistake and miscalculation between Chris Greer and Brian Flores and whoever was responsible for it is the biggest wish and give back I wish the Dolphins could take. Because they spent $10 million on Will Fuller in free agency. And they opted not to bring a single veteran offensive lineman into the group. At least not an accomplished starter. And there are two accomplished starters that signed with teams post-June 1st for a combined $8 million that would have given the Dolphins arguably their two best starters on the offensive line. At worst, two of your top three, including Robert Hunt. Those players are Charles Leno with the Washington football team and Trey Turner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Trey Turner signed a one-year, $3 million contract this summer and graded out, according to Pro Football Focus, with a 72.7 in pass pro, an overall grade of 69.4, played 1,082 snaps, and conceded 20 pressures in total for the season. Those are not bad numbers, especially for one year, $3 million for a starting guard at the NFL level. Meanwhile, 
Charles Leno, who's already signed an extension with Washington, by the way, signed a one-year, $5 million contract extension, played 1,121 snaps, all but six of them at left tackle, graded out as an 87.3 in pass protection by pro football focus. He was a middling run defender, but his overall grade was an 81.1. And I understand PFF is not the be-all, end-all. And he conceded 36 total pressures this season. So those two guys combined for 56 pressures with over 2,200 snaps played on the year. For one year, $8 million for both of them. And one of them's already signed a contract extension. And if you'd like to compare and contrast and foil that to the offensive line performance that the Dolphins guys put on display. And I don't know what the reason was for not signing these guys other than, well, we bought a bunch of young guys in here. They need to play and they need to develop and they need to get better by playing. If you were serious about winning, these guys in hindsight shouldn't have played. But I can tell you this, Liam Eikenberg was second in the NFL with 62 pressures allowed on the season. Jesse Davis was tied for fourth in the NFL with 57 pressures allowed. Austin Jackson was ninth in the NFL with 49 pressures allowed. Trey Turner had 20. 20 for one year, $3 million. And I think we need to bear that in mind because the post-June 1st signings are often players that are on their third or fourth contracts that are on the wrong side of 30, but guys that are good starting players in the NFL. Take advantage of that window this time around. Have some money in your back pocket. Don't spend it all in March. By all means, go out and pay premium dollars and get a couple impact starters because Lord knows we need them. But guys like Charles Leno for one year, $5 million, and Trey Turner for one year, $3 million. Imagine those additions on this offensive line. Versus the 62, 57, and 49 pressures just in pass pro that we got from those three guys combined. Two of those spots could have been eliminated. And I would imagine that would have gone a long way in helping the passing game. Don't let good young prospects or promising prospects prevent you from going out and getting upgrades, especially if you're serious about contending. The Dolphins did that on the offensive line last year and it bit them in the ass. And that for me is the number one mulligan I wish they could have. I wish you will have another episode of Locked On Dolphins this week. So make sure you hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Thanks as always for listening to the show. Hope you guys enjoyed this kind of look back, retrospect, Uh, application of hindsight for 2021. Uh, We still have our eyes on the coaching cycle, so keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Fins up.